I'm Marcus Smith, and this is Constant Wonder. This month, with Christmas drawing near, join me on a journey called Advent. Constant Wonder is marking this venerable tradition, a calendar of hopeful anticipation, with daily short episodes, a new Advent experience every day all the way through the 25th. Together with special guests, we're seeking out the wonder and awe felt by so many people during this season of hope, reverence, peace, and goodwill. It's December 9th. Few heavenly signs have ever eclipsed the star of Bethlehem's reputation. Of course, pinpoints of light glued to the dark firmament above have commanded our attention from the dawn of civilization and even before. Our eyes have always looked for meaning in the night sky. Today's episode of Constant Wonder for our audio advent calendar is about a modern joyous sign or wonder observed in the heavens, an astronomical drama that happened in my own lifetime. It wasn't a miracle that broke the laws of physics, not one that predicted a sacred event, but a miracle nonetheless, depending on what we mean by the word miracle, and that is one of the main issues to think about in the following conversation with a fellow who's often called the Pope's astronomer. The year was 1994. A newly discovered comet was traversing our solar system. Astronomers had named it Shoemaker-Levy 9. Some very wise men, modern magi, the kind of experts who know stars and math and such, they had calculated that the comet's trajectory would intersect the orbit of Jupiter. What's more, these two heavenly objects one very large, one rather small by comparison, would try to occupy the same spot at the same time. In short, they would collide. With this information in hand, professionals the world over were poised to verify their expectation that Jupiter would win. These experts were not the ones to capture the very first photographic evidence of the collision. They were focusing on the possibility of indirect evidence, Direct imaging seemed out of the question because it was physically impossible to see the collision happen in real time. The comet actually hit the backside of Jupiter compared to where we were, so we could not see the impact of the comet itself. What I was doing then was I had a, a telescope aimed not at Jupiter, but at a moon that we hoped would see a flash of light. If the light was strong enough when the comet hit Jupiter, the light would hit this moon and then reflect the light back into our telescopes and we'd be able to time exactly what had happened. Brother Guy J. Consolmagno is an American research astronomer, a physicist, a religious brother, and director of the Vatican Observatory. Now, you need to know that this observatory he oversees actually has two separate telescopes situated in two separate domes that rise from the same roof of a papal palace. On the night of the impact, a pair of professional astronomers in one dome have figured out their way to observe what is about to happen indirectly. 
And in the other dome, two amateurs are playing around with their homemade camera equipment. We were, of course, looking through the telescope, hoping we would see something with the naked eye, and we didn't see anything. We were very disappointed, but we were working at one of the two elderly telescopes here in Castel Gandolfo, telescopes dating from the 1930s, which mostly aren't used anymore, except we happen to be geographically in the right part of the world to have Jupiter overhead when the first piece of Shoemaker-Levy hit. We had our big instrument on the big telescope, and there were a couple of amateurs using our refractor telescope, which is a lovely telescope, over in the next dome. You know, they were amateurs. They were advanced amateurs. They had this little gizmo that one guy had made, which was a homemade CCD camera. So we finished. We decided, eh, maybe we saw something. Maybe we didn't. We'll have to look at the data that we recorded at a computer desk. And suddenly we hear this shout from the other dome. And I was there with a fellow named Rick Hill, another astronomer from Arizona. We're looking at each other. So we run down the stairs from our dome, run across the, the roof of the Papal Palace, run up the stairs to the other dome. And there are two amateurs, an Italian and a German, and they're dancing because what they had been doing was just taking images of Jupiter with this little CCD camera. And as they were imaging Jupiter, suddenly rotating into view was a ginormous black spot. I mean, we're talking about a spot that was bigger than planet Earth. Nobody knew that it was going to leave giant black spots like that. So these were the first people in the world to see this giant black spot. It was jaw-dropping. It was the kind of thing that just made you want to dance because it was so unexpected. It was so unmistakable. It was so in your face. Haha, you didn't trust me that it was going to happen, but here it was. Life is like that, I guess. You, you look at the sunset because you expect the sunset to occur and the sunset's marvelous. Sometimes you look away from the sunset and you see instead of the glorious reds and greens of the sun going down, you see the shadow of the earth maybe going up a mountain in the opposite direction. And you see what's sometimes called the band of Venus. And you go, oh my goodness, the earth is turning I can see the shadow of the earth. I can see it in the clouds. I can see it on the mountains. And there's a subtle beauty there that I would never have noticed if I hadn't looked in the wrong direction. A couple of days ago, I was poking around in a dictionary. I do that frequently. I was looking for the root of the word miracle. And it turns out, if you trace that back far enough and go back to what they call Proto-Indo-European, what we're talking about is the sense for smile or laugh. If you press it far enough, you might be able to work in dancing there, too. That's not too far off the mark. That's marvelous. I never knew that, but I can absolutely agree. A miracle is something that makes you smile. That's something that makes you laugh. It surprises you, but not just, you know, the way that an auto accident surprises you. Boy, I didn't see him coming across the lane. It surprises you in a way that attracts you to joy, to beauty, to love, I'll tell you what a miracle is not. A miracle is not some violation of the laws of physics. And the reason we know that's not what a miracle means is we had the word miracle long before we had any idea that physics had laws. Run that by me because I'm trying to follow. We had the word miracle before people were convinced that, say, uh, experiments could be repeated and, and that there would be consistency, that there would be un unifying kinds of 
phenomena where it's not willy-nilly, it's not random. There are laws by which things behave. Yeah, well, remember how most people thought the universe worked before we had laws of physics, that uh, there were nature gods. If, you know, you saw a lightning bolt, it was because the god of nature threw the lightning bolt. And that explained everything you thought. If you wanted an explanation that is capable of explaining everything you see without question, believing in nature gods would do it. But if you decide you're not going to believe in nature gods because you believe in one God, you know, the way the Jews did, the way the early Christians and the Muslims did, then suddenly you've opened up the realm to say, okay, if there aren't nature gods throwing lightning bolts, then what is there? Now, in the time of the scientific revolution, people realized that you could do more than just come up with word statements for what's going on, you could actually describe it using the language of mathematics. And that was a big breakthrough. That was actually quite controversial for, for many years. But then once, especially with Isaac Newton, you had these equations which seemed to describe and predict what ought to happen. The deists of that era, the deists were a kind of religious cult, religious movement, that said that, well, God made the universe and set the laws in motion, wound up the watch, and then walked away. And they said, well, a miracle is anything where God interferes with the mechanism and does something different. The trouble was they started using the bits of the mechanism they didn't understand to say, oh, that must be God. And then when someone else comes along and says, no, actually, I can explain how that works then all their reasons for believing in God went away, one by one by one. We call this the God of the gaps. So you say, oh, I don't know how gravity works. God must make it. Oh, actually, we do know how gravity works. Okay, but I don't know why the planets don't perturb each other. Well, actually, they do perturb each other, but not so much that you can notice it until you look carefully. Oh, and, and every step along the way when you say, well, I don't understand, therefore it must have been God. If that's the God you're trying to believe in, that's going back to being the God who throws lightning bolts. That kind of miracle. But the kind of God that I want to believe in, the kind of God that I see in Scripture, is not the God who throws lightning bolts, and not a God who makes himself known by violating laws of physics. That's not the God I believe in. And those aren't the kinds of miracles that I'm talking about. Instead, to me, a miracle is a jolt out of my day-to-day that makes me aware of the presence of God. And that can't help but make you smile. That can't help but make you laugh, make you dance. Thanks for joining with us to mark another day on our Constant Wonder Advent Calendar. Our guest in this episode was Brother Guy J. Consolmagno, the Pope's astronomer. He's an American research astronomer, a physicist, a religious brother, and director of the Vatican Observatory. If you like Brother Guy and want to hear more from him, check out the full episode featuring him. It's titled, When the Sky Dances, Season 2, Episode 1 of Constant Wonder. This episode was produced by Eric Schultzka. If you have missed earlier installments in this series and you'd like to hear them, just go to byuradio.org or to Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Join us tomorrow for a conversation on the spiritual power of silence. And so you walk into a space that is designated for complete silence and adoration. 
And something about that set aside space, it is actually life changing, it is healing. I'm Marcus Smith. Constant Wonder is a production of BYU Radio.